My name is Kebohem, and this is Epiphany. Amata meiva Kebohem nia lojava akatahengi. Sixteen Hoyakol eighteen sixty five. Public executions rarely happen in Dvesha. Every few years, the blacksmiths on Mora Street, who keep the sacred smithing temple, receive word from the palace that they must sharpen the guillotine. They scrape rust from its steel frame and assemble the killing machine deep inside of the reclaimed zone. Here the sun sizzles on the pavement and the sky never quite loses an undertone like steel. Those of us who decided to watch the executions assembled early in the day, most with parasols to protect us from the sunlight. I wore red for the first time since morning for Calice. The entire execution square was awash with people in vivid scarlet, hardly any other color represented. This is an event wholly unlike anything else. No vendors are allowed. No one sells offerings to the gods. The only businesses present are the news crews and the young girls and boys selling water from giant wheeled drums. From the screen projected up high, we could see vital signs for each of the assembled assassins, whom the guards had placed in a pen beside the execution pedestal. As an advisor, I watched with the others from a special seating area adjacent to the stage. I could see everything. Advisors Tennis and Krutwe sat beside me. Advisor Tennis grabbed my hand and squeezed it when they brought Sautangi up. Two screens mounted at the front of the execution square showed Sehutangi ascend the narrow steps, their mouth and eyes bound with red fabric. Their heart beats steady, like a metronome. The other heartbeats raced. I remembered those moments in bed when I pressed my ear against that torso and lulled myself to sleep with the steadiness of that heartbeat. If Lee feared death, their face and comportment didn't show it, but Zahutangi had a sister who died. Zahutangi is following in those footsteps, and there's a certain peace in following family, even when they've done something so heinous and wrong-headed. The guards kicked Zahutangi's knees out from under limb. Lee fell onto the chopping block. The Death Watch priestess approached a microphone and began to chant from the Book of Ghosts and Demons, which contains the Baji chants to be said over those who are dying at the hands of the state. A young apprentice stood beside Lim with clapping blocks, which Lee hit together at each line break. The old Deveshi means... In undermining the state, you have sacrificed yourself to the state. Through your sacrilege, you will hold up the sacredness of the office of the ruler. By dying, you give your heartbeats to the ones whom you have wronged. The blade came down. Their vital signs stopped. I thought I was fine. But when the display flatlined, my cheeks were hot. Tears welled in my eyes. Advisor Tennis squeezed my hand tightly and whispered, We can leave if you like. You don't have to stay. We put her arm around me and hugged me close. Regent Tharangi was here. 
All of the advisors were here. This was no trivial execution, and I had a duty. I stayed. They mounted the heads on pikes, and I couldn't watch. This is standard. This is standard, Sabaji. No one prepared me for what watching this many executions done all together would do. Every time I close my eyes, I see those faces. I hear the chanting in my ears, even though I cannot understand a word of old Dveshi. Those faces will haunt my nightmares. Most of all, Sehutangis. After incineration, the ashes will not go to their families. This is high treason. The ashes will be scattered in the soils that yield grain. I made a special background deal with the regent to retain those of my former lover. Oh, the matter. I am not Sehutangi. I keep my oaths. But still, Salus, those faces. What will you do to banish them from your head? How will it be to sit here year after year among the advisors every time something like this happens? I am only 19. I might see many executions. This thought terrifies me. Afterward, after all of them were over, Advisor Tennis and I left together. We parted ways several blocks away from the execution site when I went on to Nitorva Square on the sky rail. Liga and Zuka waited for me there, and as the train rumbled its way to them, I let the floodgates of emotions in. I felt the rage, the pain, and everything else that I've tried to keep hidden. I broke down crying, full-blown sobs, back and chest heaving, snot dripping from my nostrils, while I sat among a throng of people. Private emotions poison the soul when they stay inside. I let out the venom that I've held inside for so long. A kajahengi. This, this here is that. This is knowing who I am and why I am here. A young Romela, probably about seven, put their right hand on my knee while the train shook its way along. They brought their left hand to my chin and tilted my head up until we looked into each other's eyes. This Romela child had rich, false-color eyes and they wore children's playclothes. An adult stood in the aisle holding a rail, and that one stared down at the two of us together. The Romela child said, Ak, ak, how do I make the crying better? Do you need a hug? I looked at the adult behind Lim and shook my head fiercely, fighting to speak. The lump in my throat left no room for words. Lee furled their brow and said, Hold on. The Romela child took a shopping bag from their guardian and rifled through it for a small box. Lee took something out of it while I watched and stumbled back towards me as the train came to a stop. As Lee opened their hands, I saw the most beautiful candied flower. For you, Lee said. I took it and tried to smile. The child stared earnestly at me. Thank you, I whispered. You're very kind. 
Lee sat down when the woman beside me vacated that seat, and Lee rested their head against my shoulder. We sat together until I detrained in Itarva Square several stops later. I never managed to catch that child's family name. Other things need to be said, too. That I will stop this journal, which has done me no good at all. It's far better to cry in public and to see the good in human children, even strangers. But I have one more thing to say. In that Aya, temples for mourning often occupy places near waterfalls. Water is a liminal thing. It connects people to the sky and to the underworld. Waterfalls bring souls down into the darkness below. They evaporate passively into the air. I needed to see water. Nitorva Square is not a mourning place. Here pipes force water up several meters into the air. Children and adults of all genders, some nude, some in quick-drying clothes, run through those jets. Even with an execution halfway across town, people celebrated their lives here. Galasuhi and Shiji, Narayi and Iturji, foreigner and native-born. The clock on Bree's hotel chimed as I reached the square. Sukha, also in red, stood to the side with Liga searching for me. I made my way up to them. I strained to think of something to say that didn't involve quoting Akaki Sabala. I am suffering, I could have said. I am so deep in suffering. I have suffered ever since I realized that the daybreak movement meant to kill the Fadahin. All I actually said was that the cloudless sky was inappropriately cheerful. A part of me doesn't want to write what happened next because I want my descendants to believe that I mourned for a long time. I want you to believe that I could not smile. Grief is greedy and it's jealous. It sees other emotions and only thinks that there should be more space for itself. Sukha kissed me on both cheeks and said, You were very strong today. We could get ice if you want, Liga said. You look like you're overheating, Salus. It's these Tavashi clothes. They're thicker than what we wear in that Aya at this time of year. I grabbed Sukha's hand and squeezed it. Liga nodded. We have some morning clothing in Karatao's home that might fit you. Lee's not wearing Karatao's clothes, Sukha said. Lee clicked with her tongue. Do you know nothing about Salus? Liga adjusted their top knot and bit their lower lip. I saw many people in Lim then. Karatao, of course, but several hundred beyond that. All of the Kuginya, but the collective fell away from Lim suddenly. Lee laughed. <laughs> You're right. Obviously, I don't know Lim at all. I nodded vigorously and raised my hand in the traditional Narayi greeting. Lee pressed her palm against mine. I am Liga Talbisum, Lee said, Sukha's cousin, Akash. I said, and in faux formal Narayi, it's a pleasure to meet you. May I address you informally? You have, after all, been reading my journal and listening to my most intimate conversations. I am advisor Nitangi, but under the circumstances, you may skip the formal address and call me Salus without reservation. My laugh felt hollow. 
Sukad rolled their eyes and wormed out of my grip. Honestly, you too. Liga clicked her tongue twice, if you like. Li giggled. Tell me about yourself, Liga, I said. I'm a hacker. Li poked Sukka in the side. Sukka looked at Lin with the helplessness of anyone watching their parent poke fun in public. Because Liga is not our age. Liga will never be our age. And Li continued. I am in the Kuginya, which the Dveshi call Equilibrium Nexus, a collective. I have connections to many people. I closed my hand around lures and pulled them close. Liga and I kissed on the cheeks like intimate friends, and I said, Let's undergo the friendship ritual. I don't mind taking Karato's clothing as long as it does not become common knowledge that I've done that. Certainly the only way to ensure that is for us to become friends. Liga let go of my hand and put Lur arm around Zuka. Yes, let's do that. Li pulled me out of my morning mind so perfectly as always. Even if part of why we did that was because we knew that there were cameras watching. And this is not the same grief from Kali's death. This death has not pulled me apart as much as I feared. Amethi's radicalization and death unsettles me, and I have a memory of Lim in my arms. I have a memory of Lur's sister in the necropolis and an obligation to both of them because they're dead. I'm deep in grief, deep in that grief. Everything I've described above regarding the execution is a real feeling that I am working through. The difference between now and Kalis is that I feel like I have a future. It is Ruti and I will marry. I have friends who care. I am beginning to understand reality. I have at least a sliver of Kajahengi. The last thing we did while we were out was to buy a new set of pale gray sheets from my bed. Liga and Zuka changed them for me. I'm still injured, but I think that I'll call Kedizurti tomorrow for a date. I think that I am well enough now to have sex. Having them over and going to breakfast in the morning with my family will paint over the events of the past few months with at least some semblance of normalcy. And hopefully I won't cry. The country will not be normal for a while. I, my family, my relationships won't be normal for a while. And yet there is so much to do. And unlike Atezahaira, unlike Karata or Tenes, I have one human lifetime in which to do it. You have been listening to Epiphany by KBOM. For a text version, cultural notes, and to subscribe via RSS, please visit http colon slash slash kayeboesme.com slash epiphany.